Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is Moving Up the Ladder, where we bring you experts to lend some knowledge and insight into hopefully improving your career. We're getting a little psychological for this episode, diving into the mind to figure out what's going to work best for you in terms of production and success if you tend to see the glass half empty more often than not. So helping us get a grasp on the pessimistic mind and the value in it is Dr. Julie Norum, a psychologist and professor of psychology at Wellesley College in Massachusetts. She's also the author of The Power of Negative Thinking. So obviously we're right in her wheelhouse today. Julie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Tim. How about you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. It's, it's great to have you on and clearly you are a, an expert in this area, but we wanted to f- start off by giving our listeners an idea of where exactly you're coming from, your background, your experience. If you could fill us in a little bit on those items. Okay. I have been working on optimism and pessimism research for about 25 years now. And I basically started as um, people often do because they looked around and there was something in the world they didn't really understand. Hmm. And so when I looked around, what I saw was a lot of research in psychology promoting the idea that optimism was a great thing. And then I saw somebody I worked with, my advisor, who was very high-powered and extremely successful and continues to be so, and she was a pessimist. (laughs) And so that raised the question of, well, how can that be, given all the research that's out there that Mm -hmm. suggests that everybody should be positive all the time? And that led to exploring how she was able to use her pessimism as a way to manage anxiety effectively. And that kicked off a lot of research that's still ongoing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an intriguing topic. As you said, there's so much study about optimism and you hear that from, you know, so-called experts in terms of work and production and success. So I guess why is that the, I don't know, perceived norm or the best way to go about? Why is optimism seen as the best route in most cases? I think there are a couple of things that contribute to that. One is that just as a culture, we really value people being cheerful and upbeat. Sure. And, and we also value self-confidence. So we're a very individualistic society, and we want to have a way to judge people quickly. And one of the things that we do is we look at how confident and positive they are, and we figure, well, this person comes across as really confident, so they must be really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. So we sort of wrap up all in one package being optimistic and cheerful and confident and competent. That's one contributor. And I think then the other contributor is that it can, especially in a workplace, I think be easier to be around somebody who's a little bit more optimistic and positive Hmm. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, that's definitely a a different perspective, but it does make some sense. What is it then for a pessimist, so to speak, or somebody thinks that way a little bit, are they more inclined to struggle because most of the advice they're getting is this sort of confident way that they you know, fake it till you make it, all that kind of idea? What would you say for the pessimist out there? I think it can be challenging. You feel like sort of people don't understand your perspective. They don't value your perspective and they want you to change. And that's not a very comfortable feeling. <laughs> you know, you're, you're vulnerable to people thinking you're not being a team player, you're not trying, and, or you just can't see a way to solve a problem. And that's, none of that is necessarily true just because you're pessimistic. Right. So one of the things that I tell people who who feel more pessimistic is if things are going well for them, you know, maybe it is okay to fake it in some context. Mm-hmm. Just you don't have to believe the self that you pre- present to everybody else all the time. <laughs> um, you can say, well, I'm going to, you know, play the game in this particular situation, but I don't have to be this way all the time. And I, there's really nothing wrong with the way I am. Right. Would you have any, I guess, how would people find out or discover or understand 
how they work best. And we'll get into some of the details of maybe some strategies if you do lean pessimistically, but how do you really find that out? Because I think a lot of people struggle with the idea of confidence and it doesn't necessarily make them a pessimist. So where, what would you point to? What were some characteristics that you would, you would say that, yeah, you might lean that way a little bit? Um, I think one of the biggest indicators is whether you feel anxious mm-hmm. and whether sort of sometimes you want to avoid things or avoid situations or avoid people because it just makes you too anxious and it's hard to deal with that anxiety. And I think you can ask people who are close to you, not your boss probably, but <laughs> other people around you, if they see anxiety interfering with what you're doing. And that's a key that maybe you want to adjust your strategy. Mm-hmm. I think the flip side of that is is if you've gotten in trouble, if you think about things in your past and you've gotten in trouble because you've been overconfident but underprepared, that's probably a good indicator that you want to adjust your strategy to. Sure. You mentioned the idea of a boss. So, you know, we take it into the workplace as obviously that's what our podcast focuses on. And, you know, it can be a challenge for any manager, anyone who's leading a team to figure out what works best for people. What is there any general rule of thumb you could give to a manager to say, hey, if you have an individual like this, what are some things that you should do versus uh, maybe things you can avoid? And we can elaborate, you know, as wherever you want to go with this. Yeah, well, I think I think that's a really great question because I think what a good manager needs to do is not to just automatically shut down somebody who's being negative about mm. something. I think that person can be one of the most useful people on the team because they're troubleshooting and you need people to troubleshoot and you need to listen so that you don't end up getting yourself into a really bad situation because everybody was being so excited and enthusiastic that they didn't see the big pit that they were going to fall into. Sure. So capitalizing on that person by listening to their specific ideas, I think, is a great strategy. And then the risk for a person like that is that they're sort of going to be a downer for everybody else. So what you might want to do is arrange for opportunities to talk to that member of your team one-on-one and get their view of the situation so that they don't feel so so that they don't have to say all the negative stuff in a group meeting where it might depress other people. Right. <laughs> no, that is, I mean, that is definitely a factor you have to consider. One thing I, th- I thought was a little interesting as well is the idea of encouragement. You know, obviously in the workplace, a manager's trying to maybe pump you up, encourage you to do something, say, hey, I know you can do this. You've shown this in the past. Is it true, though, that if someone does lean pessimistically, that that actually is counterintuitive or it doesn't actually work for them? It's counterproductive, I should say. Yes, it it can really interfere with what they're trying to do. So in particular, if somebody's anxious and they're using a strategy that I call defensive pessimism to deal with their anxiety, I can talk about what that is later. If they're using that strategy, then trying to encourage them or psych them up or get them all fired up before an important situation or, or while they're working on a report is likely to backfire. What we found is that cheering those people up or trying to make them more optimistic interferes with their performance. For people like that, it's not that you have to always be negative with them, <laughs> right. but the, the appropriate time to be positive is to praise them after things have gone well. Hmm. Okay. And, and specifically by pointing out, you know, this was really good and that worked very well. If you want to help them as they're working, the key is not to sort of be positive or negative, but to work with them to sort of anticipate what might happen and help them to prepare, because that's part of what they're trying to do for themselves. They're feeling anxious. They anticipate that things could go wrong. But then their strategy is to think very specifically and concretely about what might happen so that they can be prepared for every eventuality. 
And that's what I was going to ask, because naturally you think, well, the opposite of encouraging is sort of discouraging or even putting those things in their mind like, well, I don't know if you can do this. It may be a sort of a challenge. I mean, is that something that ever works? Or even for a pessimist, is that not really, not really effective at all? Well, I think it's okay to present things as a challenge. I, I think you probably it's probably rarely going to help to present them as impossible. There are a few people out there who get motivated by the impossible, right, right. But, but that's not very common. But I think the idea that it's a challenge, and then the key is to get really specific about why, okay. not to dwell on, oh my God, it's a huge challenge, but to say, these are the reasons this might be difficult. What, what can we do? Right. Now, you mentioned the term that you use, uh, that being defensive pessimistic, and I guess explain a little bit what that is, how you characterize that, and what are just the, the key traits you talk about with that. Yeah, and I, I should say at the beginning, it's not a very good term. If I could go back in <laughs> sure. time, I would change it. <laughs> I would call it strategic pessimism. Okay. But the key, the key is, is it's a strategy, and specifically it's a strategy for when you're anxious. Because if you're anxious, it just doesn't work to try to pretend that you're not. Right. It doesn't work for somebody else to tell you to relax. It doesn't work to, for you to tell yourself to relax because you've got that feeling. So what anxious people can do is to use this strategy of defensive pessimism where they say specifically to themselves, things might go wrong here. Hmm. This might actually be a disaster. And then they switch very quickly into thinking specifically, well, here's what's going to go wrong. Like I have to give a talk. I have to give a report to a committee or something like that. I could trip as I get out of my chair and get <laughs> on my way to the podium. And I could spill the pitcher of water that's on the table and I could drop all my note cards or the PowerPoint presentation won't load. Or, you know, you play through all those things very specifically. It's not a lot of fun and it's not a lot of fun for other people to be around, but it can be very effective because what it does is channel that anxiety that you feel into a sort of motivation to take care of all of those things. Mm -hmm. And once you're actually doing something, your anxiety tends to, you're not focusing on it, and it tends not to interfere with your performance. Whereas if you're, if you're just thinking about and feeling the anxiety, then it can really interfere with your performance. And if you're trying to pretend that it's not there, it has a habit of rearing its head at the worst possible time right. and interfering with your performance. So this is really a technique to, to manage it effectively and to sort of use it in a positive way. You know, and you use the term, uh, you know, focus and distraction there. And that was another piece that I found, you know, a little bit different depending on how you might think. In terms of distractions go, you have those natural ones that you just brought up, sort of thinking about the, the worst outcomes. Are there any other things uh, a defensive pessimist could do to sort of distract themselves as they are working on a task or trying to complete something? Well, actually, they're really not distracting themselves. They're distracting themselves from how they feel, but they're not distracting themselves from negative thinking. Okay. I think that the key there is to really let yourself get into it hmm. and, and go for the details. So you formulate your plan A, and then you formulate plan B, and then you formulate plan C. And if you have any time left, then you formulate plan D and you practice all the plans. Okay. But what that means is, is all of that effort is very likely to pay off in your outcome. Whereas, you know, trying to go out and distract yourself by going shopping or something like that, <laughs> it's not going to it's not going to help your outcome and it's really not going to do any good in terms of your anxiety. So just the, the key being that, I mean, when we're talking distraction, it's it's different. We're not talking about multitasking or anything like that. It's right. It's sort of in that realm that you talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's sort of letting yourself intensely focus in. Right. But the key is really specific. You don't want to start thinking negatively. You don't want to think, well, this presentation could be a disaster, and then I would lose my job, and then I would be homeless, Yikes. and then I might turn to a life of crime. You don't want to do that kind of thing. 
<laughs> good advice there. Good advice. For those listeners, don't <laughs> don't go down that road. It's a little little too far. <laughs> at, the, at the same time, as we've been talking about, it's sort of trying to find that fit for yourself and what works. In the workforce, though, what would you say are the strengths of a pessimist and why, why they are needed in organizations and, and why it is beneficial to have people thinking that way? Well, one of the things that there's a fair amount of research on now is that positive thinking and positive mood tend to go together, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. And positive mood promotes a specific kind of thinking, just as as um, negative mood does. So there are costs and benefits to each kind of thinking. So positive mood tends to promote a more general sort of heuristic, get the gist kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And that can be good in a lot of situations, but it can also lead you to miss the trees in the forest, and that can be dangerous. It can, it can blind you to um, details that are actually important, and it can promote sort of a focus on the positive, a sort of general rosy view where you ignore or distort or don't remember negative information that might be really important right. for making a decision or evaluating a situation, whereas negative mood tends to promote more detailed thinking. So you're paying attention to the things that might go wrong and the things that make this situation different from this other situation. So you're not just automatically relying on your past understanding or old information or what happened last time. You're really focusing on what might be different this time. And I think that can be valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can be a corrective, for example, to some of the market exuberance that you see around where everybody gets all excited and jumps on the same bandwagon and that drives off a cliff (laughs) after a while. So I think I think that's where it's really useful. I would want, you know, I I kind of want my accountant to be more pessimistic, (laughs) to use defensive pessimists. I want my doctor to be that way because I don't want them missing things and assuming everything is okay. Right. Oh, I love that you brought that into it. I mean, the idea of different industries, I was going to ask if you saw certain areas where that did maybe work better or you thought it would be ideal. And I see brought up those, those two uh, examples there. I think those are perfect in terms of the, the details. I think it's great for our listeners to hear. How about, do you have any overall tips for any people out there that would be, you know, put into that label, if you will, of, of being a pessimist or negative thinking, um, just generally speaking, how you would think they should go about their day, their actions. And I know it's different for everybody, but um, just from your experience, your research, what you would tell them. I would say two things are important. One is negative thinking can work really well for you. You don't have to do it out loud around other people. Hmm. If you sense that you're in a context or with other, some other people will just not tolerate it well, and they'll just develop a negative opinion of you if they hear you playing through, well, this might go wrong, that might go wrong, I have to prepare for this, we have to do that. So you don't have to do it out loud all the time. You can do it in your head, and it can still work for you. And that can sort of decrease the interpersonal costs in a workplace. So I think that's one thing. The other thing is that explaining your style to somebody else in a workplace can have really great effects. It can be really helpful. You can say, you know, I, I, I think this idea is really exciting and I'm just the kind of person who immediately thinks about what can go wrong. So let me think through that and then we can get back to the positive things. Sure. Then we can, you know, then I can get really excited. I just have to go through that process because I think one of the risks for somebody who's more pessimistic or tends more toward negative thinking is that it comes, that negativity comes out of them right away and other people feel like they're being put down or insulted by it. And that's usually not the case. That's not the intention, but it can be the effect. So anything you can do to sort of decrease that possible effect is going to work to your benefit. 
Well, Julie, we definitely appreciate all the information and the insight you've given us. Obviously, you've had a lot of experience in this area. One last thing that popped into my head here just as we were talking, and I'm probably putting you on the spot a little bit, but uh, somebody say is in the the job interview. And uh, you know that question always comes up about strengths or your weaknesses. How does a defensive pessimist handle that? Because in theory, they'd be better off listing their weaknesses than strengths in terms of like how comfortable they are and, and how they feel about all that. What would you suggest as a, a game plan there if I could put you on the spot? I would say saying that your strength is that you're a great troubleshooter and problem solver because that's really the effect of this negative thinking. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, anybody who's asking you that question is going to ask you the weakness question. And then you can say, well, sometimes because I'm so good <laughs> at, at figuring out problems, other people think I'm too negative. So I have to watch that. Hmm. And that's how I would present it. Uh, no, I, I, I was just curious. Like I said, I just kind of thought of it as we we're going through because that question always comes up. Looking to wrap things up, we always give our, our guests an opportunity to, to give a final takeaway of the, the subject as a whole. And I know you gave uh, you know some advice there for any individuals out there looking to um, possibly utilize their negative thinking, if you will. Um, any last words of advice, any, any pieces of information you'd want to leave us with in terms of just the power of negative thinking, if we leave that as a, a giant umbrella topic? Um, I think my word of advice is that the Boy Scouts have it right when they talk about being prepared, but you have to be willing to think negatively to be prepared. So use it as a strength. Sounds like a great place to finish off today. Unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up here on Moving Up the Ladder and our discussion on the challenges and really the benefits of, well, we labeled it as defensive pessimism, the power of negative thinking. Again, however you want to look at that might be a little bit different than what you hear from all the quote unquote experts. But our expert on this subject today has been Dr. Julie Norum, psychologist and professor of psychology at Wellesley College in Massachusetts. Julie, thank you very much for coming on today. It's really a fascinating topic and it was a pleasure to get your take on it today. It was my pleasure, Tim. I enjoyed talking with you. Of course, as always, we'd like to hear from you, the listeners, if you have any thoughts on future topics for us to cover here on LJN Radio. Just send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.